What's up, guys? It is your girl, Sarah from Sarah's House here. Thank you so much for joining today. Um, I feel like I just saw you all yesterday, and I did on my weekly chat accountability. Um, so make sure to join me every Monday, 6 p.m. Mountain Standard for an accountability chat. Uh, we just casually check in with your successes and your goals for the next week. It is open to anybody who wants to join. Um, also, I do these live chats. I have Jenny Walker here today, um, but I do these live chats with anybody. Um, well, not most people, anybody, anyone who's commented to me, um, I do. If you have something to share with the community, that's what this channel is about. Just because you don't spend the endless hours that it takes to have a YouTube channel does not mean that you don't have something to share with the community. Um, and so if you do have something to share with the community, definitely send me a DM and we will set up a time to chat about it. Or if there's certain things that you would like to see, I've had a couple of people this week DM for certain things. Um, hey, I want to see, you know, this content. So I search high and low and find something someone to talk about it if it's not something that I'm familiar with. So send me a DM, leave comments down below if you have stuff like that. Today we are going to be talking with Jenny Walker about consignment for resellers. I was really interested to talk to her. Um, we're going to get a little into her story because her story is really interesting too. We're chatting a little bit before we went live um, about what she specifically sells, which is really interesting. That's a whole nother live though, for sure. <laughs> but we'll talk a little bit with her um, about her story and her background. But the meat of today's conversation is going to be consignment for resellers. I've heard this mentioned. Um, I've had it mentioned to me quite a few times because sourcing right now is hard thrift stores are not open or if they are thrift stores are open but it's not good stuff they're holding a lot of stuff they're not putting stuff out as often the bins you can only be there for two hours and you're like you can only be at your bin so we kind of have to think outside of the box if we want to make it through this hump and i think consignment is an option it doesn't have to be what works for you but i do want someone to talk about it um so you can kind of see how it works and see if it is something that you would like to try so jenny i am going to have you tell us a little bit about your background um yeah. how you got into reselling and then you do a brick and mortar as well right i sure do mm -hmm. okay yeah tell us your whole life story in like three minutes oh god <laughs> i didn't fail the elevator pitch um yeah i am a career i'm a charity fundraising uh, my career has been in charity fundraising my whole life, but I've always had a lifelong passion for fashion on the side. And I learned about consignment when I was like 13. My mother took me to my first consignment shop. And then when I was a teenager, I started consigning and uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, where I was living. And my first check was $300, which back in the 80s, that's a lot of yeah, money. Yeah, that's big. Yeah. So I've known about consignment shops for a long time. And it's something my passion so for clothes. In high school, you were like per going to thrift stores and buying and consigning it? Like no, you were intentionally doing it? Or? No, my mother had a, a vintage a booth in an antique mall. So we were mm. always out looking, whether it was estate sales, yard sales, thrift shops, consignment shops. We were always on the hunt. Our specialty was um, vintage jewelry like Hobe, uh, uh, Trafari, things like that. So we were always out looking. And so I was always out hunting. And but yeah, I started consigning my my own things uh, in the 80s when I had my first job at Lord & Taylor. It was part-time. And I realized I could buy something with my employee discount and sell it on consignment and make money. Like even after they took their half. Yeah, I wow. learned that very early on. That's genius. Good for you. I would, never would have thought of that. No, I, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know, but I just sort of fell into learning about consignment shops. They've been around since the 40s. The first one yeah. is in New York called Michael's. Um, they Consignment's been around a very long time in reselling. We just didn't call it what we do now. But, um, but yeah, I've had a different career in charity fundraising. And on the side, I always was doing my, my love of clothes, my fashion as a shopper, as someone who wore fashion and loved fashion. My mother was very fashionable. And I found about uh, out about consignment shops very early and about an organization called NARTS, N-A-R-T-S, which the, is the National Association for um, Resellers. And they specialize in working with brick and mortars, but over time they've expanded to um, online sellers as well. So it is the trade association for this group. I have never heard of that in all of the interviews and people that I've watched and talked yeah. to. So do they, I mean, this is a whole different topic, but I'm going to yeah. ask it because it came up. Do they offer like um, insurance that you can buy into and like full-time benefits and stuff? Because a lot of the associations will do stuff like that. They are not advanced with it. They mostly offer um, regional and national conferences. 
They offer a newsletter and um, they have a very active Facebook page. As a matter of fact, one of their president is online every day at five o'clock on Facebook to give us all the updates on the CARES Act and how it affects us as consignment shop owners. So they're very active that way, um, but they don't, they haven't taken it that far in terms of, of what you're talking about. Are they, someone's asking in the chat, so I want to spell it out. It's N-A-R-T-S dot O-R-G. O-R-G, okay. Yeah, I don't um, remember. So you, this is a completely different topic, but I'm interested okay. in it. Um, okay. So you pay to get into the association? Like, do you have yeah, fees? It's for the fee. Yeah, it's a small annual fee. Um, if you go on their website, they'll explain. It's a small annual fee to, to join. It's a professional organization, sure. Yeah, so then do they have, um, because a lot, so I'm a hairdresser by trade and a lot of the hairdressing associations offer because you're basically like, you know, your own little employee, um, small business by yourself, but they offer, one of it is benefits because a lot of times you don't have benefits, but do they offer like resources like lawyers or accountants and not necessarily for free, but like, they have a lot of resources, but again, they don't, okay, they're specialized in businesses versus individuals, right? So yeah. if you're a shop owner, so people who have a consignment software, people who have um, materials for the trade will advertise through this organization to get the word out. People have software, um, but not not so much the health interest. I can't say because I haven't read a yeah. newsletter lately, but um, they really specialize in things for brick and mortar. But when they do the conferences each year, that's when they get into social media and online and things like that. So it isn't um, as advanced as, say, some of these independent unions that are out there for like independent owners. It's just it's a different type of organization. Very beneficial. There's a lot of free content on their website and um, they have a Facebook page. It's a members only, but it's worth looking into. Definitely. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm, I'm I'm taking notes. That's the first that I've heard of that. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, what were we talking about? So you have been consigning since you were young, but you did um, charity work. So when, I, but you do full time now, right? Like you are yeah. a shop owner full time. Right. When did that happen? So that happened about five years ago when I moved from New York City, where I lived for about 16 years uh, to Pasadena area. I met someone who um, I was reselling at the time and not full time, but I was reselling and they couldn't understand why I had all this stuff in my apartment and that, you know, what, what was that about? And why don't I have a store if this is what I like to do? And I'm like, well, you know, I can't, I, I always dreamed of having a store. I'd been in so many shops thinking maybe I could do something better. And they just sort of presented the opportunity to me. And I was at a point in my life where I said, well, why not? Let's give it a try. So yeah. I did. And my shop is called Walker Viden Luxury Consignment. Um, W-A-L-K-E-R-V-I-D-E-N.com is the um, the website. And we are on Instagram and online and have the brick and mortar as well. So that okay. business has been operating uh, for four years um, as of June 1st. <laughs> and, so I'm uh, going to yeah. have you... I'm gonna have you when this is in the recording, um, like mm -hmm. after we're done, come back and you can put your links down in the comments um, yeah. so people can directly link sure. to all the things that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. So you have been doing that for four years. Have you been selling online as well or you, you strictly have been doing? No, we've been online the entire time. As a matter of fact, it's the single most important thing we did in order not to fail, period. Um, I knew about, um, eBay and online selling because I've been an eBay seller since like 2003 or 2005. And when I was researching software for the consignment shop, I looked for the one who had an eBay integration. And we went with one called Liberty with a company called Resale World. And they had the eBay integration. So we went with them from the first day. So from the first moment, we had professional software and we had someone who could integrate with eBay. And so that is the most important thing that we did. And so that software manages all of your inventory. Is that yes. what the software is doing? And yes. your consignment, like tracking all of that. Absolutely. It tracks everything. Because the thing about consignment is tracking. And so in the mm -hmm. old days, people tracked it by hand on a little little four by six card, right? They wrote it down and they did all the hand calculations, which is fine to do, right? If you have like yeah. one consigner or two consigners, no big deal. But when you have hundreds or thousands of people consigning mm -hmm. with you, you have to rely on technology because it, you could have different consignments percentages for different types of things. So it, the computer does all of that for you. It breaks out your percentages 
it breaks out um, how much to pay the consigner when it, and you, you can do your check out of your system. It's very, very efficient. So you can pay from that system as well. Absolutely. So do they have different packages levels? Because I'm thinking like you're a big store. So you probably have like a lot of consigners, but you know, a lot of my channel um, is like smaller people, you know, maybe they'll have one, two, <laughs> five, ten consigners. Is it's it the well, they have something? Not they yeah, don't so really it, break their tiers out by number of consigners because it's the same process whether you have one consigner or a hundred. Yeah. You know, the 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 technology is the technology, right? And so yeah. um, it's just something to look at. There are a number of consignment softwares that are out there. They're not the only one. There's one called Consign Pro. There's probably four or five. And um, this organization, Arts, can certainly refer to you to a number of consignment softwares. If you search online, consignment softwares, they will pop up. Uh, they do exist. Um, a lot of them are out there and you should definitely look into it in terms of getting into it in a big way. But if you're just starting out, you don't need the software yet, right? You can do yeah, it by hand. Do something. You can you can calculate it by hand and you can cut your own checks and things like that. But there's a lot more to consignment than that. Yes, and that's what we're gonna get into. Okay. I do have one question. So you're just starting out, at what point do you think getting the software to manage and track things, like how many consigners do you think would be worth it? Like 10, 20, 100, 1,000? Well, for an individual that didn't have a storefront who just yeah. wanted to try this on the side, um, I would say you could easily handle uh, 50 people on your own. But if okay. you're going to get more than that, you better get some software. Um, you also better have a consignment contract. Uh, there's a legal part to this as well. And you all probably need to look at forming some sort of entity because at the end of the day, it's all about protecting yourself and um, from liability. And all you have to do, and there's a million free templates, you can get one from Narts or online of a consignment contract of what it should say. And if you don't have a way to do that, you can sign with someone locally and you'll get a copy of their contract. And you can see some are very detailed, some are not. The bottom line is your contact needs a contract needs a date, it needs a timeline, and it needs a percentage, right? So, and when you're going to pay them. And that's, it's really not complicated, but it's a necessary piece of paper so that everyone knows what you're doing, how much you're paying and when you're paying, right? Yeah, so let's get into, I mean, everyone's gonna have different outcomes that they want of those, mm -hmm. but you've been doing this. Um, so what do you, like what kind of different models do you have for consigning? Different, um, you know, timeline, like what does it typically look like if someone was going to come consign with you? What would they be signing up for and what would you recommend? Well, we have changed our timeline over the years. And uh, when we first started, <laughs> I'm laughing at all the mistakes I made in the beginning. When I first started, I'm like, oh, you know, let's let's do a year. You know, we want to take our time to get just the right buyer for the item. And that's because yeah. I was thinking like a pure reseller. I was not thinking like a consignment owner. It's a very different model, right? Because consignment shops live off of cash flow. And when you're looking at cash flow to pay your consigners, to pay your rent and to turn all of that, you don't really have the luxury to hang out indefinitely for that one person to pay you a premium for one item. You really can't do that. So in the beginning, I had everything wrong. The pricing was wrong. The, the timeline was wrong. But we, we redefined it over time to um, we did it for six months. We did it for three months. I think three months, six months, a year. And now we're back to six months contract. And the reason is you need enough time to process the item and enough time to market it. And you're looking at a global audience because you're online, right? So you have customers all over the world. If you have a platform that goes all over the world, such as an eBay versus yeah. a Poshmark only goes to US and Canada, right? So you have customers that are in whole hot, hot and cold weather at all times, 24 seven, right? So um, you need enough time to market those items out into the world. And what I learned is that, you know, it takes a minute for people to find you. There's a glut of inventory right now. I mean, this COVID-19 has definitely um, changed everything about how much inventory is online and all these sites are reporting almost 50 percent increases in a month in the number of items the number of sellers that means your items are buried in hundreds and hundreds of millions of listings right yeah, and right. so it takes a minute to find your item right especially depending 
depending on what you do. So I know a lot of your pieces are um, more specialized, so you may have less competition, but for people that are doing, you know, citizens of humanity genes, like, okay, you yeah, have a gazillion <laughs> of those out there right now, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's a, a blessing and a curse, you know, to have something that people are looking for and then there's too much of it. And, but what yes. I find in consignment is the same stuff sells all the time for everybody, right? It's the same thing. I don't care if you're my store, uh, a one person consigner or a big chain like the real, real what's selling every day is Chanel, Louis Vuitton, Gucci, you know, golden goose. Like there's a, a top five or 10 brand to every yeah. platform at every time. So anything Chanel will sell and care what it is or what condition it is, it's gone really fast. And so the question becomes, how can you keep, how do you keep in that much inventory? How do you take it in, in order to consign it and feed the beast that is never fully satiated, right? And so that's a whole different issue about what to consign. Right. Well, so yeah, that's my question. That was something I wrote down here is, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's worth it to consign lower end items, right? So focusing on getting some of those higher end items to consign because you're Absolutely. paying for a software, you're paying a percent of your fees, you're paying, you know, so you need to have high average sale price items, right? We, what we did was um, we over time came up with a minimum that something we need to be able to price it at least $100 to take it into the store. And the reason is it costs the same amount of money to price something you you mm -hmm. set for $100 or $1,000, right? So in terms of there's too much inventory for anyone to handle. And that's why consignment is such a great way to get inventory. There's so much out there. We can't, we can't handle it. We, we can't. There's only three or four shops in Pasadena. And people literally come to us. They're like the other one said they're closed. They're not taking anything. Then they come to us and we're like, well, we're full too, right? So there's yeah. a glut. And so what the art in consignment is the curation of what you're selling. It is the no different than when you go outsourcing, right? Is because the, the amount of stuff that's coming in is overwhelming, right? And just like any other place, you can say, only bring me your best stuff and you're still going to get things that are dated, stained, ruined, um, not in good condition. I mean, I have seen, you name it, I've seen it. And so it doesn't change because it's consignment because everyone's interpretation of what luxury is is different, right? Or what's then, good condition because you get on Facebook <laughs> and everyone's like, excellent, use condition. And then you're getting it and you're like, no. <laughs> That's my favorite. My favorite reseller is watching a reseller goes, these are in really good condition. Like the thing's completely worn out. And you're like, okay, compared to something completely destroyed, yes, it's in really good condition. But in luxury consignment, which is what we are all about, I turn away Louis Vuitton. I turn it away all the time because it's completely worn out. There is a market well, for that. I don't want to be the one. I don't want to be the one. I don't want to be the one to sell it, right? Yeah, because it's your brand too, right? right? Yeah, yeah. We're luxury consignment, so everything in our store is pristine. It looks like people go, "Is this stuff used?" Like they they're confused, right? They don't know. We don't understand at first look in our boutique store first that it's consignment or that it's even used. And so many things have tags on it. So we differentiate ourselves by only taking the very best and doing our best to get it sold. And if you, if you're going to say, what's, you know, how do you rate us as a consignment shop, right? Did we get it sold at what price point? Did we get it sold at all? There are things that do not move at any price for our store, just like anyone else. So in yeah. terms of consignment, consigning yourself as a reseller absolutely in terms of you getting inventory from consignment shops that's a really good avenue because according to the contract every contract is different is what do i do with the stuff that didn't sell right my contract tells me what i have the right to do do i have the right to take ownership of it at the end of the contract or not if i do i can do whatever i want with it which then means i can then sell it to a reseller i can sell it to a thread up, I can put it on a real reel. I can donate it to charity. What is what does my contract say I can do with this stuff? So people looking for inventory, consignment shops are a great place to find it and to source it and to talk to your local shops because it is a problem. It's a problem the amount of inventory that comes in. It's either rejected. You have to get rid of it. The, the you have to donate it because of the rules, right? Yeah. <laughs> if I don't take it. I have to donate and get a receipt. There's no choice. 
If it doesn't sell, it's a different criteria based on the contract, what I can do with it. But at the beginning, if I don't take it and they don't want it back, it goes straight to the donation, right? So, oh, so then they have a fluctuation of stuff that maybe isn't as good, good enough for you, but for other resales might be, and yeah, they can't like, do anything. Like we turn, away, we turn away brands that would do really well on Poshmark all the time because yeah. we don't want to take them in anymore. We don't want to take in Lily Pulitzer. We don't want to take in BCBG. We don't want to take in, you know, all kinds of brands that are sellable and have a market. We just can't do it. Right. So then it becomes a challenge. To, you know, if you're holding out for the good stuff, then you've got to, you know, keep your standards up and turn away a lot of stuff. So I send people to other shops. I send people to crossroads. I send people all kinds of places because everyone who approaches a consignment shop you know, they think we are like a Buffalo exchange or something. They think we're going to pay them cash up front and we don't operate with that model. You get paid after it sells on a payment cycle. It's cash flow, right? Yeah. So, so you're not buying it because like uh, Buffalo, it. yeah, Buffalo exchange. They're technically, are they technically a consignment shop or they're, uh, no, they're buying, they, they buy it. No, they buy yeah. it from you. They don't consign. So a lot of people who, we turn away their things. I then refer them to other places that might want to buy it. And then people come in trying to sell to us. I'm like, we don't buy. <laughs> Let me refer yeah. you to someone who would sell. But then sometimes they approach us with luxury handbags, like here's my Chanel, here's my Louis Vuitton. I want to sell it. I don't want to consign it. Are you interested? Right. So then you have that dynamic too. But there's a lot of inventory going through consignment shops of every caliber. And there's a lot of reasons people don't take things in and there's a lot of um, obligation to move it out of your store if it doesn't sell. Yeah, because if something's been sitting in your store for six months and you can't sell it, you only have so much room, right? And so you want to get it out the door to get better stuff in, right? Exactly, exactly. You know, it's it's all about turning the inventory. Absolutely. Right. Um, so what happens, I mean, in your guys' contracts, if something doesn't sell in six months, you give it back to them or what? Well, we have changed our, our language over, we've changed it over the years it, and it became very problematic to, um, to get things back to people. They would not come and get it. They wouldn't come and get it. They just, they say they want it back, but they will not. You can Six months has them. gone by and you they can call just forgot about six it. Months. You can call them, you can hassle them today. You can do everything. Okay. It's Friday at noon. Like you try all kinds of things and it just got to be too much work. And so the contract language has changed. And it's like, you need to pick it up by this date. You have two weeks after that date. If you, we do not hear from you, do not get it. It becomes ours to do what we want with, period. If they have in advance chosen a donation model, then we will donate at the end of the contract and give them a charity receipt. So everyone doesn't want to do that. They're just like, I don't care what you do with it. That's one scenario. The other scenario is donate it at the end of the contract. That's a different scenario. So you have to look and then at the you contract. have to donate it. So Absolutely. now you're donating like oh, yeah. high end. Yes, they love us it out of the closet because that's where we donate everything here in Pasadena is out of the closet. Oh, yeah. So is that yeah, a nonprofit? Yeah. Or what is that? yeah, if, if you, you should definitely look them at out of the closet. It's it's like a savers or a goodwill. It's really, really cool because they they um their mission is to work with AIDS and it's just a thrift shore store that gets all kinds of cool merchandise and you should definitely check it out for sourcing. Definitely. Are they online? Absolutely. Um no, they don't sell online. They have a little yeah, I'm in Colorado. Yeah, that's a shame. Well, yeah. if you're in Pasadena, um, out of the closet is where it's at. So yeah, out of the closet. But yeah, they're definitely in California. There's some in New York as well. So there, there are a, a number around the country. So definitely look oh, them up. Yeah, well, there's a lot of a lot of cool um, places to source. Oh, consignment, sure. um, you know, consignment has certain components to it, right? So one, you need a contract. It explains what you're going to pay. So a lot of times there's a range in our contract. So if we sell something over, say, $5,000, you get more percentage than, say, something under five, but um, over 2000 or 2000 to, like, 500 You know, there's different ranges, right? Usually, like Chanel handbags, if it's an Hermes, something very expensive, we're going to take less of a percentage. If it's um, – a uh, different price point will take more of a percentage. In consignment, general the general rule for a long time was 50-50 consignment split regardless. This was before the last five years. This is before the real real, before ThreadUp, before all of these um, apps came out, right? This is the typical consignment model, 50-50. 
A lot of that has changed. Um, now you will see people take offer as little as 40%, uh, like the real real does that online, but like 40% in the shop, um, they'll pay 50% on higher things. But like it, it really, it really depends because it's so competitive now. So if you're too yeah. restrictive and only offering 40, you might cut yourself out of some consigners because they're look they can get 50% down the street. So why are they going to yeah. get 40 from you? Well, they might take 40 from you if you're getting more for your item. And so we and they have that relationship. Sure. And we do really well at getting a lot of money for stuff. And, um, you know, we will sell things that other people will sell for half as much. And a lot of that has to do with knowing your merch. And that's a different podcast is things we sell for a thousand dollar pair. Well, of pants, I already have like know? four other things. So I'm sure I'll have you back on. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. Come through there. And, and um, really, I, I would love to do a show on how to sell things for a thousand dollars or more. I mean, I've become expert on that. And, um, it has to do with knowing what stuff is. And I see all the time resellers that are very excited about selling something for a hundred dollars. It sells for a thousand in my store. And I'm like, yeah. you don't know what you have, which is a Can different show. <laughs> what you do, I'm leaning towards, you just have to kind of wait it out and market it. Right. Like a lot of times you'll get an offer that's really low and you're like, okay, I'll take it. But what are you, I mean, I know it's a whole different show, but like a quick tip on how well, you get Wait, wait, a quick tip on what? How on how you get items to sell, you know, like I sell it for a hundred and you're like, oh, I can sell that for a thousand. Like, oh, what are you well, doing first to of get all, it? First of all, I priced it at a thousand dollars, number one. Okay. And that's, people don't know. I, I, you know, I'm a reseller as well as a consignment shop owner. And I myself didn't know. It's taken me the last five years to understand what's valuable as yeah. in auction quality, a Christie's, a Thuz, a Thuz, a sub a Sotheby's, um, a firstdibs.com kind of item. We've had them in our store and didn't know it. So just learning your merchandise. Right. Oh, actually, instead of $100, I'll price it $600. It's sold in five seconds because it's worth $1,500 or it's worth two or it's worth $5,000 to the right person, right? The rare, the super rare, the super collectible, the things that have been, um, you know, shown in museums. I mean, there's a whole other show is how to identify this stuff that's so valuable. And, you know, it is a crime for someone not to know what something is with the Internet. I mean, there's no reason not know how some valuable something is. And in terms of how we price in a consignment shop, you know, we don't go to Posh Park and look at comps. We look at the original retail price and we look to see if um, it's rare, collectible, vintage, um, you know, has a, a history. It's iconic. And how does that happen? Because a celebrity wears it um, or like Alexander McQueen is the things that were when he was alive, for example, that are more valuable. Um, Thierry Mugler, they just did a huge exhibit in England, um, London, England with Thierry Mugler. If you've never heard of that brand, you don't know. But, you know, Gautier, Jean-Paul Gautier no longer does ready to wear. So he's only doing couture. So all of his stuff is really hot right now. So you have to know what's hot in fashion, the higher end, and it just takes time to learn it. But anyone with an internet connection can know. Yeah, it's just hard to because you get and it, it, there is a lot that you can learn on the internet. But there's also a lot of misconception on the internet too, and not knowing because you will see that same price pot, you know, for a hundred dollars somewhere, and you're like, well, which one is the real one? And is this person being outrageous? And it's closer to a hundred dollars. And until you're like to your level where you're like, okay, I know the value of my items. You know, people who like, I've never seen a Louis Vuitton in real life, I don't think. I'm thinking, no, maybe once. Um, but this is stuff that you're seeing all the time, right? So you're like, oh, like this is what it is. But, but for people who aren't, yeah, I think it can be kind know. of hard on the internet because there's a lot of, when you look up other things, like vintage is hard too, because someone will price vintage at, or a lot of vintage, they'll put vintage on, um, you know, you look at Etsy and they're like, this is vintage. And I'm like, well, that's not vintage. Yeah. But that's not um, the word. That's not the place to go, though. Okay. Yeah. You can't go to Etsy for your vintage knowledge. You have to go to the Fashion Institute. You have to go to the yeah, Fashion Museum. The you have yeah, to study yeah. the different sources to understand what makes something valuable and what makes it iconic and why. Like, all you have to do is go to firstdibs.com. First dibs with a spelled with a one. Firstdibs.com. Search Vivian Westwood and you will see. Uh, bustiers come up priced as high as fifteen, twenty thousand dollars, and these are bustiers that get sold on um, eBay, Vestiaire Collective, anywhere. They get sold all the time. 
I saw one sell for $50 the other day because I get the alerts and I was crying because I know what it's worth. But I've seen them. They come up and they it's it's the one one tip I'll give you. It's the one brand that sells immediately any bustier of any condition at any time frame. They just did this huge exhibit in England of Vivian Westwood. Um, and so this is iconic. That's why if someone's selling it for a thousand, you should buy it because you can sell it for 10 or 15. You have to understand what it's worth, right? So that's you might crazy. see a thousand dollars and go, that is so much money for a bustier. Well, that's because it's worth 10 or 15. How do you know that? Go on firstdibs.com and look at this stuff. Look what they're asking. This is a micro niche of people who are willing to pay a premium for stuff. And so playing to that person and then like steps down um, for people who are willing to pay a premium. And those people are the same people who bought on the sale rack in the expensive stores, right? So if I went yeah. to Bergdorf Goodman, Neiman Marcus, Saks Fifth Avenue, I'm paying. Have you looked at these prices? I can pick up a blouse for $2,000, right? So when it, it gets on the, my mind. when it gets on the sale rack, it's $500. That's a deal, right? For the person who pays full price. And the person who's paying $500 for that blouse in my shop paid a thousand or 1500 new for it in the store. It's yeah. not the and person. And so they feel like they're getting a deal. Yeah. They, it's not the aspirational person who has never paid over hundred dollars for a blouse, right? It's not the same customer. And it takes a while to figure out who these people are and who's willing to pay what. And people and how to market them. So your eBay store, well, and your brick and mortar store, you're marketing to that specific customer. And so I think you're probably getting like someone who has a closet full of, you know, mall brands or whatever. And then they have this one item probably isn't going to be able to sell it as well as your whole entire store. And you yeah. have. Yeah, right. it's context. It's the context. I see things all the time. I look to see if something has someone has a piece of Moschino, which you'll see behind me. Yes, which is one amazing. Of the, one yeah. of my vintage, hard to find. Um, that if I see that in a closet of, first of all, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be there because it'd be gone so fast. But if I saw it in a closet of someone who had like Levi's and whatever, looked like they got things from estate sales, I'm like, they don't know what this is. I'll make yeah. them an offer, that kind of thing. But it's not going to sell as well at the high price in that environment. This is the thing you have to create an environment of lux um, in order to to sell at a higher price. So consignment is really good for that. And so we have the in-store, um, in store, which is like a luxury boutique. You know, it's got beautiful hangers and fixtures and fitting rooms. And it's, you know, people have no idea it's a consignment shop. And our name does not say we're a consignment shop. Walker Viden, what's that, you know? Um, yeah, but when um, you're in a different, and it tricks the mind, right? In that environment, you know, people pay thousands of dollars for things all the time. But if I'm walking through Goodwill or I'm walking through a consignment shop that is not luxury, my brain will not let me do that. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm right. thinking at a different tier of what makes sense in that context. Right. Well, and then you also have to wonder like what it is and like there's a whole different level. Um, someone is asking, would you say your longest contract is six months? Uh, it is now. Um, you we depending on what you're trying to do, you could do longer, like a year, like the real real does a one year, but um, it has to do with space issues and having always having fresh merchandise in the store, right? So if you've got stuff hanging around a year, it better be an iconic handbag or something. You don't want everyday pieces sitting around a year because you, you don't have the space for it and customers expect new stuff. So six months, I think is a good timeline. You can get through two, you know, you can get through hot weather and cold weather in, in six yeah, months. That's right. And I think that gives you ample time to get it processed, priced and out into the world. Do you have like in your contract, it will be up on eBay within this amount of time? Because I feel like as someone who is consigning, I'm like, oh, I'm going to give you six months. And if it takes you five months to actually put it up, right? If you're like slow. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it doesn't state it that way. What it does say is um, processing time in general, because we put on eBay first, the minute it does not hit the floor, it's simultaneous, right? So we process it for eBay. We take the photos. I put measurements. We put it online. We push it out. Then it hits the floor, right? So it's a matter of processing time in general, not about selling online specifically. Yeah, but processing That's in general. Just, it's, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just something that we do. So yeah, I mean, you don't want to get backlogged. And you want to help mitigate the expectation because if they know you're not going to get to it for a month, 
they better they're not going to be looking for a check from you in a month right yeah right exactly that's what i'm thinking and people quite honestly can sign for a lot of reasons but mostly they want the money (laughs) so when they get that check makes a difference and they'll call you you know is anything sold what's going on with my stuff so right and especially if these people are bringing you nice pieces and you do a good job then you're building that relationship and they're probably going to continue the season's over i don't want this you know this is an outdated whatever i want the new season stuff and now they have a relationship with you so it's a good way to build that relationship and have inventory good inventory continuing to come to you right absolutely relationship building is key to repeat consigners and repeat consigners with us tend to be the ones where we actually sold something and they got yeah. a nice check and they saw the results. Usually once people get the first check, they start looking again for items, especially if they haven't tried you before, because everything will not sell with, with us per se, right? The way we curate what we choose for the store. Um, we make mistakes, we take in things. I mean, people work really hard for you to take their stuff, you know, and I, I'm a softy and <laughs> not anymore, but at the time I'm like, okay, I'll take it in. And then it doesn't sell. And then they're disappointed. I'm like, well, don't you remember you worked for 30 minutes for me to say yes to this thing? I told you I couldn't sell. Yeah. You that's know, a valid point. Right? Yeah. You have to know you are the expert <laughs> in it, not them. And this is where it's hard and why I don't like, I don't even like taking donated things or people like, Hey, will you buy my inventory for, or my closet for me? Because they're attached to it, right? They're, oh, you oh. know, they bought this at the store and they saved all their money or they, there's always a story behind all of your pieces. And so mm. they have a lot more attachment to it than the business. Oh, does. Yeah, absolutely. Women, we can tell you where we bought it, what we paid, if we had a good time when we wore it, if we were photographed in it, you know, we, we can give you the history, date and time of every item. That is definitely a problem when it comes time to sell it. And um, if they're attached to it, you will know at the beginning. Yeah. And I've, and now, I mean, I, you know, you learn a lot about human behavior and female behavior with clothes, you know, people attached to it. So like when yeah. you get things that are from an estate, it, you don't have that kind of thing. Uh, when yeah. you get something from someone who's really not sure, I've learned to just say, well, you know what, if I can't get it back. So if you're not sure, don't give it to me. Great. Cause yeah. I sell it. I, that's, it's it. But it's a done yeah, deal. But consignment is a super great way, um, you know, to to get inventory and really good stuff. And the hardest part really is saying no to things. And I, I find, but but after this three month hiatus, um, I have a new strength. It's like we don't have time to take anything that isn't amazing anymore, like at all. Like sell it yourself because with everything that we're struggling with to get through this, this situation we've been in, um, we can't afford to make mistakes like that. We can't afford to take in 30 pieces and spend the time processing them that aren't going to sell. Time How do we and know? money. Yes, absolutely. 100%. And so um, I think for and people, space. space is money too. Like oh. mo- all of us only have so much space. Sometimes it's, you know, your studio apartment and sometimes you have a big, um, storage space but still you have a limitation and taking stuff that's not going to sell is just eating up that space that something else could be in right absolutely so i want to um go into this part of it so we when we can sign from our store we are selling on multiple platforms right so we want to reach the widest range of buyers as possible with a better with you know if you sell it for someone they will give you more right to see that you're successful at it and so if you're professional about it you have a contract you're an entity. Um, you've given them a receipt uh, for everything they they left with you. You you do it professionally. You write it on a prof- you know you do everything the way you're supposed to do it, um, and then you get it sold is really key. And so for people like we are on multi platforms for Poshmark, StockX, Grailed, Lapree, um, Vestier Collective. Um, we are adding um, Etsy. We're doing more with Etsy. Uh, Depop. And our goal is to be on every single platform that exists. So we're working now to get do the new Facebook stores, to be on Instagram. We're working behind I the scenes to that. get all that. Yeah. Because the same people who buy on Poshmark, they seem to buy different things than on eBay. It's a different audience mm-hmm. and a different customer. Yeah. First of all, it's a global. And the most important thing to realize about Poshmark versus eBay is eBay is a global audience. You can sell every just almost every country around the world and brands play differently in different countries, right? So Mm -hmm. people who have a lot of say, um, 
like H&M collaboration, H&M for Balmain or H&M for whomever, that H&M stuff sells a lot overseas. I'm always shipping yeah. it out to a foreign country because these things were highly promoted and highly sought after and people still want them today. And um, you can get more money for things that are rare. And, you know, if you're on a platform that's global, Depop is global, Poshmark's becoming, you know, they're just not global uh, yet. They're Etsy just is, new, yeah. right? Etsy's yeah. global. So, you know. And vintage, really I notice most of my vintage sells Etsy or eBay because it's global. A lot of my vintage yeah. sells to other countries. Absolutely. So, sure. but yeah, the consignment model is uh, is terrific. And, you know, in terms of how to get people to bring it to you if you haven't consigned before, I would start with people that you know. Can you read my mind? I was literally like formatting <laughs> that sentence because this is all good, but I'm thinking, and I'm sure some a lot of the people on here watching are like, okay, cool. Like she has all these people coming to her, but at one point you didn't. And so oh. teach us how you got people, like how you marketed, how you got what sure. you said to get people to come to you. Absolutely. Well, my first con my first consigner as a reseller was someone that I met when I was working part-time at Bloomingdale's in uh, Beverly Center, who was a stylist who happened to be in there and we got to talking. That was it. And so he, because he was a stylist, he had, and he was very fashionable in his own right. He had tons of stuff. And so I did my contract and I was working from home and he was my first consigner and I sold a $7,000 Louis Vuitton bag for him. You know, so this is uh, it's 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 word of mouth. It's building relationship. I would if it were me starting right now, I would speak to everyone that I know, all my girlfriends. Mm -hmm. I'd say, hey, what do you have that I can consign for you? This is my price. So, for example, for someone who wants to consign someone on, say, a Poshmark and they want to sell it there, maybe that's your platform. You can say, OK, I'm going to pay you 50 percent of the selling price after fees, right? So you sell something for $100, Poshmark takes $20, you're left with $80, you split the 80, 50, 50, you get 40, they get 40. That's sort of one model that's out there, right? And so it's not hard to calculate something like that. And plus yeah. you, that way the fee is, is equally distributed between you as the consignor and the consignee, right? So yeah, it's word of mouth. And once you do well for one person, they start bringing you people. Yes, yes, for sure. <laughs> the other thing too, is you can offer incentives. You can say, I'll give you 10% finders fee. You, you can incentivize, you know, you have all these affiliate programs out there. All it is is a finders fee, right? You can yeah. do the same thing in consignment. We don't do it in the store, but you know, you could offer 10% or you could offer a flat fee. I mean, a lot of online platforms do that. Like Real Real offers a flat fee if you bring them a consigner. Um, some people, depending on their structure, absolutely be like, yeah, if you know anybody, I'll give them 10% of whatever for, or I'll give you a flat X amount of dollars. So, well, yes. And the person who's consigning Louis Vuitton with you probably has friends who also have Louis Vuitton. Like they're likely hanging out with the same type of people, right? Like I'm not hanging sure. out with people that have Louis Vuitton. Um, right. I do have a question on that and not everyone's going to do, um, you know, high end luxury type pieces. I do think the more that I'm talking to you as well, it makes sense to have higher end items. If you're doing it for $10 and then you split the profit and then you, I mean, you're making a dollar, right? Well, um, so you do need to, yeah, you need to figure out how much your time is worth and what value you want to do there. Um, but it's likely going to be high price items, maybe not super high like you, but on that note, how do you guys authentic, um, authenticate? stuff do you have it do you do it in-house or do you because that's kind of the scary part for some of the higher end stuff as well i can understand that i have become i've become expert i'm not an expert but i've become expert at authenticating um now the reason i i'm good at it is because i spent a lifetime of buying luxury myself i myself yeah. am a consumer of luxury and have been for like my whole life had my first louis vuitton handbag in high school with my mom and i bought them in Atlanta one weekend, you know, so I've always been around it. But the key is yeah. I know, I know, I mean, I recently had a ton of fakes come. I mean, we get a lot of fakes in the store and usually they come in batches and it's my badge of honor when I get to look them in the eye and be like, I'm unable to authenticate this. And they're like, what are you talking about? And they're all like, I don't know what you're talking about. And of course they do. So yeah. um, there's a lot of fakes, but there are, there are instruments you can buy, you know, there's, um, all these tools now that you can buy that will, you know, scan the skins and things like that. But oh, really? Know, 
Yeah, um, there's one called uh, Erupti. I think it's called Erupti, and it's like a, a monthly service fee, and you buy this thing, and it scans the skins, and it tells you if it's a real Chanel or a real Louis Vuitton or any of that. Yeah, there's tools out oh, there. Oh, that's Absolutely. cool. I hadn't heard of that. You were yeah. just like a wealth of knowledge, girl. <laughs> yeah, get, get you some Erupti. But um, we we've thought it. We've talked to the rep. We thought about buying it, but I'm like, you know, I've gotten so good at this. Do I want to do this? And um, we didn't actually buy the tool, but I've learned the hard way and the not so hard way about how to, it's the, it's the super fakes that are tough, right? But once you work yeah. with a couple of super fakes, you realize what makes them super fake and then you know for the next time. But a lot of times we're like, you need to bring the receipt, you need to bring the authentic, you need to bring the packaging. Like all those things help you sell it at a premium and also helps you authenticate it. But I've seen pretty, I've seen oh, fake bags and real dust bags. I've seen, you know, I mean, I've seen it all. Yeah. I, I, my, the latest was the Alfred Chanel wallet I saw. It was horrendous. I'm like, really? Alfred Chanel? But um, it's out there. I've seen bad Balenciagas. I've, you know, that, that yeah. famous bag that they have and like the hardware is just awful. You know, I've, I've seen it I've seen, I've seen some bad fakes point. and I feel like the bad fakes are pretty easy to pinpoint. Um, like you open it up in the linings like cricket and you're like, I'm pretty sure Chanel does it. So yeah, don't do that. And what I've learned too is that usually if there's one fake, I don't take any because they'll bury they'll bury fakes with a real one. Like here's five bags, one will be real and four will be fake. So if there's one I'm questioned in a batch, I take none and I tell them, I said, I'm unable to authenticate this based on this. So I'm not going to take any of these. And you know, they're like, Oh, what? You know, but yeah. uh, I've shocked many a people, but you have to do that because I'd rather not have it than to have something that was off. And then I waste my time trying to, you know, you have to do a lot of research on these bags, you know, to make sure that they, they are authentic, right? You, I mean, you, you, you know, within like 30 seconds anyway, but just, just yeah. to be sure there's all the extra steps you have to take. But if you're unsure, that's when, if your gut is, if you're not sure about in the beginning, it usually doesn't turn out to be real, you know, right. but don't yeah. be afraid of that. You can get an Erupti subscription. You can spend time um, at If you've got a luxury store around you and if you haven't been in one, you really have to spend time around this stuff. And this is something I've talked about in my, my podcast that I have called uh, closet conversations is that a lot of people haven't been exposed to luxury. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. I've been exposed to it. No big deal. You can learn quick. You can learn quick by, Going online to bergdorfgoodman.com, neimamarcus.com, saxfifthavenue.com, uh, Harrods. Go to these websites and look at this stuff, number one. See what it's priced. Then the other step is you got to physically touch it and feel it and be around it, right? You're either going to yeah. need to go to another consignment shop. You need to go to the luxury stores in your town if you don't have one. You're going to have to find a way to touch and feel and smell this stuff because once you do and you you can quickly tell memorize, you memorize it's not it's knowledge that you've memorized the quality the stitching the fabrics things you know good quality stuff tends to be made in france it's made in italy it's made in europe you know a lot of the fake clothes that are out there you, i've seen um max mara made in taiwan i'm like max mara is made in italy right so D and G. Yes, if something that. is like Taiwan or made in China, it's like it. I mean, sometimes <laughs> something weird happens, but like that's a pretty quick like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So if you're not sure, don't take it in. But like, yeah. I don't think you have to jump from. I'm selling H and M. I'm selling Louis Vuitton. Like, there's yeah, a lot in between. Right. You can sell Vince in theory, it. and you know, if you're going to consign, there's plenty of brands people are looking for Burberry, anything Burberry sells in five seconds, you know, put that on the top of your list. And, yeah. you know, um, you learn over time what people are looking for. Hard to sell. You want something hard to sell? Try to sell a Ferragamo flat shoe with a bow on it. I mean, that mm -hmm. is a real specific person with a very narrow foot. Like it'll sit there for a year and then someone will buy it. Right. So um, certain things sell really quickly. But um, but in terms of consignment, the model really works. You you know you you okay. Let's talk it through. You've formed an entity. You're you're. Yeah, so let me let me just specify this too. I mean, you've said that, but 
forming an entity is meaning you're taking liability. If something comes away from you and they want to sue you, they are suing the business and not your personally. So they cannot right. take your house. They cannot take. And when you are doing it for eBay, eBay takes on a lot of liability. When you're doing it for Poshmark, Poshmark takes on. But now you're building a relationship outside of those entities. Um, this is why I don't sell a lot on like Instagram and stuff because there's not security. You have a little security Absolutely. with PayPal. Um, but I just want to clarify that for the people that are watching, if you're going to do this building an entity, because now you're becoming more of a business and you're taking liability on, you don't want someone to come after your house or your savings, your retirement, whatever it is. Right. Well, yeah. And you're, I, you're a Sarah Styles LLC. So I'm assuming you're an LLC, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> Um, you can do a DBA, but like really your safest bet is an LLC. And I don't want to scare people away from this in terms of if you're going to consign for your friends, right? If you want to, you got someone you trust, your your sister, your your neighbor, your cousin, your friend, you know, no big deal. But as you grow in this, you've got to protect yourself and form some sort of entity because it does protect you personally but I don't want to scare people away from this. Just know that that's something that I've done. I've always had an LLC. Like I've had like three or four companies, all LLCs for whatever I was doing. And I always felt protected and thank goodness. And it's I've never super, yeah, I haven't either, but I did hair before on the side, which is why I did it. Cause I was like, if I accidentally sniff your ear or something like, yeah. and then I just kept it. But I will say, like, it sounds scary. It is not. I've talked about it on some of my other ones. Um, and you can feel free to send me a DM. I'm not a pro by any means, but it is getting on the internet and paying, you know, 10 to 100, depending on what state you live in, dollars. And that's it. Like, and maybe every once in a while, they're like, hey, we want to update your information. It's not, it sounds scary, but it's not. It's so easy. There's it it, a couple of changes at tax time, but like, you know, if you want to grow and do it and become full-time resellers, you have to think about what, you know, these As things, a business. you know, yes, but, yes, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just smart to do. It's just a smart thing to do is to protect yourself. Um, but um, I don't want to frighten people from the whole consignment thought in the model because you can work with people that, you know, work with family members, have the agreement It's between you and them. I mean, you know, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is they can sign a Chanel handbag with you and then something happens, right? Yeah. And I love what you said about not doing things like outside of the eBay ecosystem or Poshmark ecosystem, because that's one of the reasons why we love having these online platforms versus our own directly buying from us, because we mm -hmm. do build in that layer of protection and you pay a fee you're paying their fee, but I will gladly play it yeah, because absolutely. they're doing, they're also doing all the marketing for you too. Like eBay markets, eBay is paying Google to put yourself at the top of the search. If I had Sarah Styles LLC website, which I do, and it gets no traffic, I don't try and sell stuff there. I have it for other absolutely. reasons, but like I am very okay with uh, doing a fee. I do want to ask a business question though, about all of this taxes. So you're paying people, you're paying them out. So now they're becoming contractors essentially right is no. that how you're or how absolutely are you doing not. The taxes? absolutely okay. not absolutely not a consigner is not a contractor they get nothing at the end of the year because they're selling their personal items anyone is allowed to sell their personal clothes they're not oh so you're not yeah. you're not paying them as a contractor they're basically no. just paying it's, you just pay as a check um absolutely it's just a okay, check that's good because that's kind of scary to think about doing no. taxes mm -mm. and stuff no for them they get nothing from us for selling clothes because it's just their personal clothes and anyone can like sell their stuff. It's free. And the fee is the fee is basically just what you sell it for, not necessarily paying them for. It. Okay, that makes sense. Right. Not quite. That is helpful. Right. We do have a couple of questions. Um, Flipping gals is asking, what was the most expensive item you've sold so far? <laughs> a ten thousand dollar Hermes handbag made of lizard skin called a Constance. Oh my God! It was it just like butter? Was it amazing? <laughs> And it sounds did, glorious. And what we did to protect ourselves is that when it, it was an eBay sale, so I called eBay and I said, okay, we sold a $10,000 handbag. Now tell me what we need to do. We ended up spending $250 using UPS white glove delivery service. And you are totally protected because like, I don't want anything to go wrong with the $10,000 handbag. Yeah, right. So we did that and then we get a note from UPS. 
they can't find the bag. <laughs> oh <laughs> but, my God. Um, but someone had signed for this thing and then they found it and it was great. We got positive feedback, but like it did make oh. my heart leap for a minute. Yeah. You just use like, you know, you just use a, a use a service that's going to protect you. You have to protect yourself and yeah. not be afraid to sell an expensive item because that's what the systems are for. But yeah, $10,000 handbag. We're hoping to top that with something more expensive, but we were, we were quite excited. So thank you, Flipping Gals, for asking. Yeah, they question. actually have another question. And if you guys don't follow Flipping Gals on Instagram, they have lots of really good content over there, definitely. It's, I'm going to let them say it in, in the chat, but some places it's Flipping Gals and some places they're the Flipping Gals. Um, so when you're searching for them, make sure. But is storage a concern when you do consignment? And I know we chatted a little bit about this and being careful on what you pick up, sure. but how many items do you, like how does the storage work? I met the flipping gals at Poshmark last year in Arizona. Yeah. Oh, did you? Oh, <laughs> I didn't go. It was my birthday weekend and my son's birthday weekend. And oh well, it was my first Posh Fest, so it was it was a lot of fun. So it was fun to meet them. So storage, yes, storage flipping gals is an issue. Um, we have limited space, but one way you can save space is smaller hangers and things like that. Sure, storage is an issue. Uh, Protecting yourself is an issue. Security, insurance, you know, we have a store, we have an alarm system, we have insurance, we have all those things. If I didn't have a store um, for my reselling, which I have, um, my home my home showroom, my home studio, I have insurance and, you know, it would be, it's all covered. So if anything were to happen. So absolutely, you should have um, storage space for the items. You need to physically take possession of them. You did move them away from the consigner and in your possession. And then the prudent thing to do is make sure you have insurance. It's not that expensive. It's really, really not expensive to have insurance um, to protect if something happens. Yeah, and that's true too, because if something happens to your inventory, you're just out. But now if you're taking on other people's inventory, sure. um, but if you do it out of your house, depending on your homeowners, um, if you well, own your home, depending well, on... Well, here, let me, let me add this in. In your contract, you have to say what happens if it's stolen or lost, right? If it's lost or stolen or earthquake or whatever. Yeah, and very, yeah. in, the, in the contract always says we're not responsible, period. We're not responsible for theft, for fire, for earthquake, for, for anything. We're not responsible. Um, so that is something that would be part of the, the contract is, um, you know, that you would say who's responsible if something happens. So definitely when you're thinking about consignment, you need to get um, generic copies of consignment contracts off the web from other stores in your area. They're out there from NARTS can help you with a consignment contract because you need to see how to protect yourself. And absolutely, you, everyone, um, you know, we, we got to the point where it's like, you know, you were not responsible. And we say on our website, you need to check to see if your homeowners will cover it. All homeowners on insurance will not cover when it's physically out of your possession, some will. So we put yes, that on our website. And uh, we've had people who had estate things and they were very, very specific about asking us how things, how, how the coverage was if something were to happen. So it's a legitimate, I mean, if you're taking possession of something that someone owns, especially if that is consignment. Now, yeah, the, the good stuff news, that you're selling. <laughs> the good news is you didn't have to buy the inventory. So if I'm selling, it's pure profit. You did something. I mean, you, you took it in, you, you created a listing, you put it online, you market yeah, your it, time. You do something. Your time is valuable. Um, but in the end of the day, if it doesn't sell, you haven't spent any money on dead inventory. You just give it back or you donate it. Um, yeah. so, so, and yeah. for right now, I mean, I've considered this right now because I, our thrift store inventory, that was a hair, not a bug. Just so you guys know. <laughs> I saw the way it looked. We're both, it was a hair. We're both fiddle with our hair, right? right yeah, it must have just fallen out. I felt it. Um, what was going to say? Oh, inventory. So I've considered, I haven't done it in the past because I'm like, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to track it. I don't want to. But it is so hard right now to find inventory. And it's like you said, a win-win in the sense of you're not spending any money on it, right? You're spending the time. And I think that's where it's important. Like you've mentioned, find a value. Like I'm already, I wrote in a whole notes. Like 
<laughs> so many <laughs> notes. Um, but that's, you know, find what your time is worth and then say, okay, I'm only taking items that will sell for this amount. And so you're not getting people. And I think if you put out wherever you're going to put it, but your expectations, it makes it a lot easier than to have people come in. And then you have to, at least for me, it's harder to like face to face, tell them no, as opposed to like, this is what I'm expecting. And then you don't apply if it doesn't, uh, yeah. if it's not yeah. that right. It's yeah, it's it's hard to look someone in the eyes and tell them what you need to tell them, but I right. do somehow. But yeah, it's you just got to be honest. And I'm I'm to the point now where like someone had come in and they were, you know, there's a whole thing about what the stuff that didn't sell and we donated it and blah blah blah. And I'm like, well, where is it? Is it well, the contract says you know we donate it. And um, they're like, well, I'm really surprised you weren't able to sell everything. And I said, well, I told you when you brought it in that I wouldn't, I, you convinced, I, this one, you were convincing me to take it in when I knew I couldn't sell it. So it didn't sell and therefore it got donated. So yeah. do you ever get people that um, are mad when it doesn't sell? Like, like, oh, this should have sold for so much more than it did. Um, very rarely. Most people are happy. I mean, they're getting rid of stuff they're not using. It's very yeah. rare. It's been, we try and we've learned from the, on the front end, to go over the pricing. And what we do is that we uh, tell them we are responsible for pricing, but if there's something you're concerned about, you need to let me know. Like if it's a Chanel handbag or something really expensive, that's where people are concerned. They really don't care about anything else. They're, they're regular yeah. clothes. They're happy to get $10 if they're lucky, right? So they really don't care. The only issue is if it's something of real value. That's where right. people are want to know up front and we will say okay i'm going to research it and get back to you on the price if we do if you think it's something you can't accept you have to live with it the key thing too also is that we have a markdown system and so if you're going to consign you have to let people know that um over a six month oh. period it's going to get marked down right so i'm taking it in let's say i'm taking in at a thousand dollars by the end of that contract it should be 65 75 percent off if it doesn't sell so that thousand dollar item can um, buy my contract sell for anything but sell for 250 dollars, and then you get a half of that right so you have to manage expectations um pricing is really an issue you don't want to overprice you don't want to underprice it's like an art you know yeah yeah. But yeah absolutely things get marked down but very very rarely are people unhappy with with their check it's just so rare it does happen and when it does it really stands out and you're like well let's talk it through you know um let's come up with a solution so yeah that's yeah. kind of how you handle that well this was amazing and i feel like we could talk um for hours which i <laughs> on lots of other things i wanted to get in i want you to move your head just for a minute so we can look at that vintage Yes, Ipala, yeah, I know it's hard to know which side. It is absolutely gorgeous. And she has some really amazing stuff on her Instagram as well. So definitely make sure to follow her over there. Um, it is, it says Jenny Walker. It is Jenny's Closets. Jenny Girls Closet. Jenny, thank you. <laughs> I was going to say finds, but that's Lori Boston finds this is another YouTuber that I uh, follow and I mix you guys together. Yeah. Um, but when this comes, it usually takes a few minutes to process, but when it's the recording, if you want to come back and put all of your whatever uh, contact and links that you want in the comments down below so people can contact you. Um, and are you okay if people contact you on Instagram, if they have questions about sure. any? Okay. I am everywhere. I am Jenny girls closet on Instagram. Um, we also have um, my consignment shop. We'll start with that is Walker Viden luxury consignment. Um, we have Instagram website and then online. So you can contact me that way or through Jenny girls closet, um, which is on Instagram and also on Poshmark, eBay and a bunch of other platforms. Uh, feel free to reach out to me with any questions. I'll be happy to direct you as best I can. I also have a podcast closet conversations, which is on iTunes. I, I hope you would subscribe to because it's all about reselling content and consignment shop content. And also have a YouTube channel, Jenny girls closet, where hopefully I'll get Sarah on there. <laughs> now that I've done one of these live things, like I'm always so nervous to do. Them, oh yeah. But, it um, wasn't so bad. We just start talking. Yeah. Right. And then you forget you're on air. Yeah. My whole thing is that like, I totally like got all prepped. I did my hair, but it like, I had to turn the air conditioning off so I could hear you. So now it's like, I watch it get melt and wilt. I'm like this wilting flower on camera. Right? Oh, it's, it's fine. I, oh. I go from the, this is real 
life. And sometimes I have time to put a little <laughs> lipstick on it. And sometimes I'm like, oh crap, we just finished dinner and I'm going live in five minutes. So here I am. And it's thankful yeah. that it is virtual and you can't tell that I'm in sweatpants and have not showered yet today. <laughs> that is the benefit of being on YouTube. Um, I if, do want to give people, if anyone else has chance has any last minute questions um, on here, definitely, like she said, you can reach out. If you're watching this in the recording, feel free to leave comments down below. Um, I probably cannot answer any questions that you're gonna have about this or about this YouTube, but I will make sure that Jenny gets it um, or I will make sure that you um, have our information to contact her on Instagram. If you like content like this, make sure to subscribe, hit the notifications so you get notified when I have new content or when I am going live. I am going live tomorrow with Chris from A Daily Refinement. We are doing a weekly mentorship. Um, he's mentoring me. <laughs> I am not mentoring him. Um, he is mentoring me on how to make a $1,000 net a week reselling in 20 hours or less. So there's lots of really good information and tips that come out of those. So make sure to follow me tomorrow, 6.30 for that. That is a mouthful if anyone else has questions. And I do love shameless self-promotion. So if you are in the chat or you're watching this in a recording, definitely feel free, feel free to leave your closet, your Instagram handle, your YouTube. This is a community. Um, I put, uh, Duncan says I mentor Chris. It's, no, that's not it. Um, this is a community. I put in the work to be on YouTube, but it's about everybody. Um, so leave your stuff below, connect with others. Um, Jenny, I want to thank you so much. I am probably going to send you a couple questions, okay. <laughs> personal questions that I have. Sure. After this. She totally we'll piqued my interest. On. Yeah, on yeah, a lot of yeah absolutely. I'm here to be a resource for anybody with any questions. You know, I've, I've probably forgotten a hundred things and you know, what are you going to do? I'll, I'll answer them later as you, as you think of them, you know, just be in yeah, touch. No, this is, I think this was very thorough and you got you went, I think you went into very good detail, um, enough detail that gets people thinking, but not so much that you're like, that seems really overwhelming. And I like not too micro to where it's like, okay, I'm not there yet, but kind of piquing a lot of people's interest on, is this a model that I may consider in my business? Um, well, it's hard right it now. Yeah, they it's hard to give it a try. Absolutely, she give it a try with um, all that's going on with the inventory shortages. So mm -hmm. definitely give it a try. You don't have much to lose. Yeah, and if people come to me, I'm enjoying that. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it like frees up hours. Yeah, we about that. They bring it to you. They and it's good stuff. It. Yeah, it's good yeah. stuff. And then you are in, you get to go through it and um, pick out. That's the art is picking out the good stuff and keep reminding yourself. That there's always more, right? Yes, and not yes. feel, not be afraid to turn things away. Yeah, and I think especially as you start, you want to be able to build your brand and make it so that they want to come back. And so, being honest, while it can be hard, being honest, if you tell them you're going to sell everything, something that's not realistic, and then it doesn't happen, you're going to disappoint them. What is the saying where you overshoot or? Set low expectations and this, and this is a really important point. I really want to speak. I know you're trying to wrap up, but like this is no, the most no, important ahead. point is that people think their things are worth more than they are, mm -hmm. even yeah. in luxury. Right. And you have to manage the expectation. And I, I was dealing with this recently with someone who's like, I want, you know, six hundred dollars. I said, well, that means I have to price it for twelve hundred. And guess what? It's sitting here on real real for three hundred and fifty. I said, so we have a disconnect. There's yeah, no right. way. I can sell your bag for $1,200 with 300 over here and you want six. Like, and really like having to be very, very forceful with what you can do and not apologize for this. This is what I, here's the research. This is the market, right? You know, this is not. You're the expert happen. and have faith in yourself. And the condition and it's got scratches and like, you know, you have to be realistic to get a premium price, it's got to be in great condition. It needs to be like, they need to have used it like one or two times, you know, and, and have a thing. But do not be afraid to push back at someone and say, look, it, this is the market. Here's the uh, here's the evidence. Here, we'll look together. Let's look online together. You yeah. can see what this bag is going for. We divide that by half. Plus, it's going to get on sale at some point. So you have to really manage expectations and consignment. And that's a very important point and not be afraid of that because there's too much out there. If I could, the last point I want to say, there's so much inventory out there. You can't handle it all. There's too much of it. Right. And so we, we can handle, uh, we got a thousand pieces from one estate. We only, you know, hold like a couple thousand pieces in our store from one place. 
Yeah, there's right. so much out there. So there's no shortage. You just have to tap into the people who have the good I stuff. Know. Just do the networking, create your contract and get started. This was an amazing uh, live. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you everybody for joining. Um, that's a wrap. I think I already did my spiel. So that is a wrap. Thank you. I hope everyone has a great evening. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. You are welcome.